Welcome and good evening. I'm glad you can join us tonight as we continue on going through the book of Psalms. We're going to be in the 45th Psalm tonight, Psalm 45, if you want to turn there. And while you're turning, I wanted to give an update and announcement about services. So we are uh, trying to continue to get back to normal as good as we can. We started back meeting a couple of months ago in the fellowship hall, social distancing, wearing masks, all those things. In the last few weeks, the numbers uh, have really declined a lot here in Mississippi. Not that the virus has gone, but things are getting better. And we are going to continue with the process of getting back to normal. And so starting this Sunday, October the 4th, we are going to be meeting back in the sanctuary. Now, there aren't too many that are coming now. There's still plenty of room to spread out in the sanctuary. But we're going to go back to meeting in the sanctuary at our regular time at 11 a.m. And so... Uh, we're kind of, kind of, kind of starting to get back to normal. Still, no Sunday school, uh, but we will have worship service in the sanctuary starting at 11. If you want to wear a mask, you still can. If you feel more comfortable doing so, just going to leave that option with everybody. Those who want to wear a mask can, and those who feel comfortable without a mask, that's that's fine too. Uh, but we hope to see everybody that that wants to come, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we're going to get our a song service at least at least sing a little bit and uh, as the as the weeks progress on we're going to try to introduce a few more things back into the services and so uh, October the 4th Sunday 11 a.m. we're going back to the sanctuary back to our normal meeting time if you see anybody let them know get the word out let everybody know what's going on uh, you'll be getting it in your newsletter in the next day or two as well and so look forward to uh, getting back to normal completely uh, in the next weeks. All right, Psalm 45. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn as we uh, continue through the Psalms. We do a few of these uh, every month or two. We'll kind of go back and hit these Psalms, and so uh, we're going to be in the Psalms for the next few weeks. So let's pray, and we'll jump in. God, we come to you, and I pray that as we uh, seek to get back to, to normal with this virus and church, dear Lord, I pray that you keep our, our, our people safe just keep us safe as we meet, dear Lord, and to uh, be able to, to get over this virus soon, that you would help us to clear out, keep all of our church members safe, both those that are coming and those that aren't able to come yet. I pray that you just uh, get the day to us soon, that we'll all be able to get together and worship you and praise you. And God, I pray that you be with us tonight as we get into your word, that you would just bless the reading of your word. I thank you that we can uh, study this tonight. And even though the psalm may be a little different than some that we see, God, I pray that your word will have an impact in our life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 45. Now, as we've seen with many of these psalms over the last couple of years, uh, some of them have a little, uh, a little title before them, and this one does as well. And the title of this psalm says, For the choir director, according to the lilies, a mascal of the sons of Korah, a love song. Now, as we've seen with many of these psalms that we've looked at, a lot of them have a title uh, before them, and this one does too. And we can see that this psalm was uh, probably to be sung because it is for the choir director, and it says, according to the lilies. Now, I don't know what the lily mean, the lilies means here. Uh, a little research, and I quickly found out that it's, it's, it's hard to know exactly what this means. Perhaps the lilies was a tune or something that this words were to be sung with. Maybe it was a, a favorite tune of the people, a tune that was well known, and these words were to be sung 
along with this tune that was to be uh, used. Perhaps that's what it means. There's no real way to know. Uh, it says it's a mascal of the sons of Korah. So uh, it is possible that the sons of Korah would have been the one who would have been singing this song. It was written with a specific tune in mind for a specific group to sing uh, so that this song could have been used at uh, what it would appear to be at a wedding of some sorts or some type of celebration for marriage, maybe beforehand or maybe afterwards. Now, we can probably understand that in some way because we have tunes that we like or songs that we like and groups that we like or people that we like and maybe at certain occasions or certain events, certain songs are sang and if there are uh, people who are good at singing those songs, we want those songs to be sung by them. And so we can kind of understand we do the same thing here. There are certain things that are sung at our celebrations as well. And uh, the title tells us that this particular thing uh, was to be sung with uh, according to the lilies, whatever that may be, by the sons of Korah. And now this particular psalm is different than the other psalms we've looked at up to this point. It kind of uh, shifts gears. We've really looked at a lot of psalms where David is praising the Lord or calling out to the Lord or seeking the Lord. Uh, enemies coming against David, God delivering David, all of those things. But here we kind of shift gears, and this psalm appears to be speaking of marriage. Now, let's look at verse 1. My heart is moved by a noble theme as I recite my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. Now, whoever is writing this, they are writing this from the heart. These things that they are saying, they are really... Uh, speaking highly of this king that's being spoken of here in this psalm. Now, we don't know for sure who this king is. This psalm could be speaking of King Solomon. Some have attributed uh, the, the king that's mentioned here uh, as being King Solomon, but there's really no way to know. Perhaps this was written for a specific king and his bride, or maybe it was more general purpose use. Maybe uh, this would have been true of multiple people. Maybe this would have been uh, saying at multiple uh, weddings or multiple events like this, no different than perhaps we would sing the same songs or hear the same songs played at one wedding or another. There are some things, the message in them is so good uh, that it is worth repeating. And maybe this uh, particular song, song here was one that was worth repeating, or maybe it was for just a singular event. But if it was for a singular event, we don't know exactly who the king and the bride were, uh, but we do know that the king is, is spoken pretty highly of here in these verses. Let's look at verse 2. You are the most handsome of men. Grace flows from your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Mighty warrior, strap your sword at your side in your majesty and splendor, and your splendor ride triumphantly in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. May your right hand show your awe-inspiring act. Your arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. So whoever this king is, it appears as though they are a mighty warrior. Going up against their enemies and able to overtake their enemies. They're not afraid of their enemies. They are a strong and mighty warrior. And whoever is writing this psalm is praising the king for his strength and his greatness. And also it's attributed uh, to, this, to this person that's being wrote about, this king that's being wrote about, that they appear to be a godly man. It says, therefore God has 
blessed you forever. And so the writer who is writing this from the heart is acknowledging the king's strength, the, the, the greatness of his leadership, and that he is indeed blessed by God. And we see further evidence of this king being a godly man in verse 6. It says, Your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy, more than your companions. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume all your garments. From ivory palaces, harps bring you joy. King's daughters are among your honored women. The queen, adorned with gold from Ophir, stands at your right hand. And so here we see a little shift in that it, it, it really shifts to the focus being on God and God's uh, being forever and ever, uh, God's strength and God's kingdom. And we even see this idea of the scepter of justice that this king is going to bring. We see that the, the king's clothes are covered with perfume. He smells good. He lives in, a, in a, an ivory palace, it says, with harps that bring joy. And so this king is a powerful man. He is obviously a, a wealthy man. He lives in a good palace. The best instruments are there. There are beautiful songs that are played in his palace. And so uh, this is a pretty good king. This is a pretty good catch for some woman to get. At the beginning of this psalm, it said that the king was a handsome man. So he had everything going for him. So the woman that was about to marry this king was a fortunate uh, woman because what better king could you ask for? A king who was good looking, a king who was godly, a king who trusted in the Lord, a king who was mighty, a king who had wealth, a king who had a palace. I mean, this guy had everything that a woman could want in a, in a husband and some lucky woman was going to get this king. Now, the first part that we've looked at here focuses on the king. Uh, but then the writer shifts his gear a little bit and throws the attention onto the bride that's going to be. In verse 10, Listen, daughter, pay attention and consider. Forget your people in your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Bow down to him, for he is your lord. The daughter of Tyre, the wealthy people, will seek your favor with gifts. In her chamber, the royal daughter is all glorious, her clothing embroidered with gold. In colorful garments, she is led to the king. After her, the virgins, her companions, are brought to you. They are led in with the gladness and rejoicing. They enter the king's palace. Now, here we see kind of this, this, this transition that takes place from a young woman who is going to be leaving her household and going to be given to another man. A, a woman shall leave her mother and father, and the, and the man shall leave his father, mother and father, and the two will unite, and they will become one flesh. That's what marriage is between one man and between one woman. And here we see this man who is, who is set and suitable for marriage, this woman who is getting ready for marriage, and the psalmist here says, look, you're going to leave your family, your household behind, and you are going to be given to your husband. He will be your husband. He will be the Lord of your household from now on, the psalmist says. Now, it says that uh, she is also going to be dressed beautifully. The king's garments are going to smell like beautiful perfume, but she is also going to be adorned greatly for this marriage that is going to take place. And it, it speaks of that her virgins or her companions will come after her. Now, 
what I believe is probably being uh, spoken of there when it says that is not necessarily that when the king marries this woman, he's also uh, going to get uh, other women that are going to come with her. But perhaps it's more like what we see in a wedding today where there is a bride uh, and she is, has with her her bridesmaids. Uh, her friends, other young ladies. When we see virgins here, it's probably speaking of young ladies. And so if this young lady is getting married, it makes sense that there are other young ladies or other virgins who are her friends who are likely to be there for this ceremony, other women who are to be with her. And I think that that may be what it means there when it says that after her are her virgins, her companions. Uh, and, and so there is this idea that, that may not look different from what we see in a wedding today. A, a, a man who is well-dressed, who is clean, ready for his good day. A woman who is adorned with the finest clothes and the finest jewelry. Uh, she is, uh, she is, has all of her girlfriends there with her uh, to celebrate this wonderful day. Uh, and what a glorious day it is. This marriage should always be. This is a big commitment when we speak of marriage. Marriage is a is a huge thing because in Scripture, marriage is the illustration of the relationship between Jesus Christ, between God and the church, that Jesus is the groom, that those who follow Jesus are the bride, that Jesus has given everything for us. He is always there for us. He has our best interest in mind. He's given his very life for us, and we, the bride, are to submit to him. We are to give all that we have to him. He is to be the authority in our life. We are to listen to him and follow him as he leads us. Now, that's the illustration that we see of Jesus Christ in the church, and that's the illustration that on numerous occasions in the New Testament, that when Paul is talking about uh, things that come up between men and women, he says, and it's supposed to be the way it is because husbands and wives, men and women who are married are 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 an illustration or living out what, what Jesus Christ has shown us by giving his life for the church. And so that example of Christ, Christ being the head and the church being the bride, is is what our marriage is, is, is based on. That's what our marriages are to look like, that relationship between Jesus and the church. And so marriage is a big deal. It's a super important deal. It's not anything that we should ever take lightly. And when we encounter those that we know who are uh, looking to get married, uh, we should hold them to a very high standard. That's a problem we have in our world today. We don't hold people to high standards when it comes to marriage. We allow people to say, well, if I'm just not happy anymore, then it's okay. I can uh, get out of this marriage. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, tough, a tough thing to, to do right there because we need to recognize the significance that is marriage. We need to recognize what Jesus has done for us. And we need to recognize that that's the example that the Bible gives uh, Jesus and the church and compares us to marriage. Then if we don't take our marriage seriously, then are we going to take our relationship with God seriously? If we don't take our marriages very seriously, uh, how do we think God is going to accept uh, or, or take our our relationship with him? Is he going to take it seriously? Now, we can't question God and say he's not going to take his marriage relationship with us seriously. Obviously, he has, and we see that through Jesus Christ by giving his life on a cross. And so if God has taken uh, that commitment, that relationship so seriously, and that's the example we are to go by, then we need to remember that in our marriages. 
if you've been married for a long time, maybe you need to be reminded of that. Maybe you've never been married, and there will come a day you will be. You need to remember just how serious and important marriage is. And if you don't know how important it is, then you need to read the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament and the examples that we have. And so this celebration is take place, taking place, and it's a glorious celebration, a, a husband ready to be wed, a wife ready to be wed, and what a glorious day that's going to be. And this, this psalm is being sung in celebration of this union that is taking place. Let's read a little further. Verse 15, excuse me, 16. Your sons will succeed your ancestors. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will cause your name to be remembered for all generations. Therefore, the people will praise you forever and ever. Now, not only are, is this couple about to be married, but they are also going to have offspring uh, that's going to become princes, and they are going to be known throughout the land. Uh, and it says, I will cause your name to be remembered through all generations, and people will praise you forever and ever. And so, not only is this couple getting married, but they are also going to be starting a family, uh, which is going to be remembered for years to come. Now, we could look at this psalm and we could say, well, this is just kind of a generic thing that would really fit in a lot of instances. There may be a lot of marriages where the, the man is a good man. He may not be a king per se, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good man who is uh, good looking and ready to provide for his family and uh, fits all the, the things that are mentioned here and that there aren't good wives that are ready to be married, that are uh, adorned in their most beautiful dresses and ready for that fabulous day and that they won't produce offspring that's going to be good offspring, that, are, uh, that, that they are going to raise a good and godly family uh, who are going to leave a good legacy uh, for years to come. That's not to say that all of those things could not apply to marriages today. They do apply to marriages today in, in many uh, instances. But I think there is a bigger picture here for us to look at than just that generic picture of, well, this is a marriage and this is what marriage should look like. Uh, when we look at passages like this, it, it probably uh, makes us think about Jesus. I believe it should make us think about Jesus, especially when we read the description of the king that's being spoken of here. Now, maybe prophetically, whenever the person was writing these words, they were writing it uh, they were writing these words about Jesus who would soon come. Uh, maybe it was kind of a, 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 dual, a, a dual fulfillment, if we could call it that, if it is indeed a prophecy. It's not only speaking of something that uh, is about to happen uh, before the people who are reading it and singing it at the time, but it's pointing forward to Jesus Christ, even if the writer of the psalm didn't realize that when they wrote it. Indeed, these words would apply to Jesus Christ, that he is a great king, that he is one who is who is mighty. He is one who is trusting in the Lord. He is one whom the Lord has blessed forever and ever. He is one who holds the iron scepter. These are all qualities and things that we see about Jesus Christ. And if we look at this illustration and we see Jesus as being the ideal husband, then we who are his followers should seek to be the ideal bride because we who are followers of Jesus Christ are referred to as the bride, the church, that is, those who put their faith in Jesus, we are the bride of Christ. And if Jesus is a good husband, then we should seek to be a good bride. Now, not only should we as Christians seek to be a good bride, but we should also, husbands, look to Christ as our example to be a good husband. 
wives, you should look to the example that we see in scriptures like these and many others, is to be not just a good bride of Christ, but to be a good bride uh, to your husband. Uh, passages like these are beautiful. Marriage is a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I love uh, when people get married. I love doing wedding ceremonies, but don't come to me if you just want me to do your wedding tomorrow because I'm not going to do it. Uh, what, marriages are super important. People uh, probably would wish sometimes that they didn't come and ask me to do their wedding because I preach pretty hard about marriage and the significance of marriage and the importance of marriage because I believe that we need to hold marriage to a higher standard, to a godly standard. We need to recognize how great our groom is in Jesus Christ, and we need to seek to be brides and grooms, not just that bring glory to Him, but also that do a good job to our earthly husbands and our earthly wives and following the example that He gives for us. And so when we see uh, passages about marriage, uh, we don't need to say, well, I'm already married or I've, I've been married for, for a lot of years. We need to, one, examine, am I doing a good job in my earthly marriage? And two, am I doing a good job of being a, a faithful bride to Jesus Christ? And we need to live by a better standard, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to hold other brothers and sisters in Christ who are uh, going to be getting married, we need to hold them to that same standard and not uh, allow them an easy way out or say, well, just because the world says divorce is okay, it's okay. We don't go by what the world says is okay. We look at the very standard that God set, a perfect standard in Jesus Christ. And that is the example that Jesus gives, or the Bible gives, uh, about Jesus and the church. The example is marriage. What a powerful illustration. If that's the illustration that God chooses to, to show us what his relationship with us should be like, then we should take that very illustration that he uses in earthly marriage and we should seek to make the most of our earthly marriages and, and, and live them out in a way that's going to bring glory to him. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words. I pray that you bless the reading of your words. I pray, God, that you would help. If there's one that's never put their faith in Jesus, that they would do so tonight, that they would follow him with all their heart, dear Lord, that they would allow Jesus to be the husband of their life, that they would be a, a faithful bride to him, God. Maybe there are plenty that are watching this and they've already put their faith and trust in Jesus, dear Lord. Help us to be a faithful bride, those of us who are already following Jesus. I pray, God, that you would help us to be good husbands and wives, those who are married, dear Lord. Help the husbands to be good leaders and, and the wives to be there to support the husbands and God, I pray that you can help us to all have godly marriages in the way that you intend. And I pray that all these words will be for your glory tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.